I couldn't open a jar of salsa. Okay, welcome to episode two of the Failure Show podcast. Episode dos. Yeah, we made it past episode one. I, some, some people said it would never happen. Yeah. Um, I, actually, said that, I said that several times. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think anyone doubted us, uh, just because I don't think anyone knew that the podcast existed. Which is the, the right level of fame. Right. Um, to have. You can't have any detractors when people don't know your show exists. Mm-hmm. So I think we're... I think we're I think we're off to we're off to an all an all right start here. Yeah, um, I'm proud of us. Yeah, it's uh, the weekend <laughs> here in Shanghai. It's 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 Chinese New Year. It is, and it we're is. both still in Shanghai. Chinese New Year is, I don't know. It's when it's a big fucking deal. It's a big fucking deal, and it's uh-huh. when all the Chinese people go to their hometowns uh, to hang out with their family, eat food, uh, eat eat lots of food, and uh, foreigners usually either travel outside of china or stay in shanghai Mm -hmm. where it's super quiet for a week because everyone has left and i've done this is my first staying in shanghai i did a super traditional chinese new year in xian once with my chinese friends um at his like grandmother's house that was fun actually because when he asked me to come i went with um a friend and we were both there and he was like, oh, like, actually, since you're American, we will have to go to our other house. Because it turns out that his parents both work very high up in the government in Xi'an. Mm-hmm. And so foreigners are not allowed on the compound that they live on. They live, ooh, they live so, in, like, a government compound. Yeah, so, like, wherever his actual home is, I, as a not Chinese person, am not allowed to go there. So we celebrated at his um, grandparents' home. Okay. But it was really good. It was like so much traditional like food and we ate Mao's favorite dish and like all kinds of stuff. What, what is Mao's favorite dish? What was? I think it, it, it He no longer has a favorite Hong dish. Hong Xiaorou. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I feel like that's a very good favorite dish. Yeah. I, just like, just like fatty braised pork. Yep. Yep. That's, Hong Xiaorou. So yeah. we had that. Um, and like lots of other things. Um, some of them I knew, some of them I didn't. But then uh, last year I was in Chicago, which is very un-Chinese. I think I had McDonald's <laughs> on Chinese New Year. It was great. Okay. Um, and then now I'm here. Okay, so you've you've done, yeah, you've done the most Chinese, the least Chinese, and then Shanghai, which is very in the middle. Yep. Um, Rounding it out. Yeah, not people. You know, because a lot of people would think, oh, like, you know, Shanghai, big city. I bet there's lots of celebrations going on. Nope. Fireworks are banned now. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a good. So that's one of the big things that Chinese people do on Chinese New Year is they set off fireworks. Yes. Um, and my first year here, which was, uh, I got here in 2014. So it was uh, the 2015 was the first time I mm-hmm. had Chinese New Year here. That year, fireworks were not yet banned. Ooh. So was um, it like fun and loud? Yeah, like I like just I, I thought there were bombs going off like all the time. That does not sound fun, but okay. <laughs> um, it, it just yeah, and I yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty crazy, and it, you know, it, it would be like early in the morning, and mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't know how much louder it is than than say like the 
I don't know, just the regular, like, sounds of construction. I was going to say, like, the drilling that's usually going on is probably equal. Yeah, so it was was interesting for me because I had, like, one year of that where I got to see exactly kind of what what that was what that was like what that sounded like um and then you know the next year i started seeing all these signs everywhere yeah. in shanghai that are just like it's illegal to set off fireworks yeah. don't do it a lot of psas and i was uh, like everything in china i was skeptical that it would actually be enforced because i was like that's the thing about china um, unless something is directly threatening to the government they usually don't enforce it that's true um so i just assumed it wouldn't be enforced but then last it's year it's silent here it's and... silent last year silent this year so uh it seems like they're actually enforcing it and uh so yeah shanghai is a, a good place to be during chinese new year if you it's want quiet but it's not really good if you want to get that experience. Like a traditional of, Chinese New Year vibe. Yeah. And because everything is like closed, especially the first couple days of Chinese New Year, that's like the real... Finding something to eat... Is hard. Is hard. It yes. is... Uh, I... Um, yesterday, I, um, I called... In the middle of the day, I called Pizza Delivery. That was closed. Um, called Melrose Pizza, which... For anyone who doesn't live in Shanghai, Melrose Pizza is like the... It's the like most the desperate scum. It's like when you cannot get other pizza, you're like, I guess it's it's what you order late at night when you're really drunk. Um, or and other pizza places have closed. Yeah, or what you order if you're trying to get pizza for an obscenely large amount of people and you want to get something that's cheap. Yes. Um, it, it's not what you go for 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 good pizza. But where is your go-to pizza? In Shanghai, what's your what's your go to? Um, I mean, ironically, my go to probably is Melrose Pizza Jesus because I because I, I eat pizza aside when we're eating from when we're eating pizza after improv. Most of the times, I order pizza or when I'm drunk. Fair enough. So, so uh, I bring good pizza. Into you bring life. good pizza in into my life that I otherwise wouldn't. This wouldn't is have. another accessible moment in the show. Um, we always go to pizza after improv. And I force it to happen because I make people love me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's uh, it's great. It's good pizza. Yeah, yeah. You've um, you've made you've made people love you. You've made people um, go out for your birthday for the last yes. For the last so month. actually, um, that's the other important thing that's happening this weekend. I turned it's actually tomorrow. 20, I turned twenty five tomorrow. Um, it's a, a crucial age. <laughs> No one is excited because I have been forcing everyone to celebrate for, like, a month, an entire month. And I I did this last year, too. When I turned 24, I made everyone celebrate for a week. And I was like, this year I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm just going to pick one day. And I did that. And then I have celebrated every day since then. (laughs) And I am celebrating again tonight and again tomorrow. Yeah. And, uh... You're you're afraid that you're about to lose friends. I this, actually right? have a friend who yesterday she came to happy hour wor- work at happy hour. My friend Logan, and she was like, "Ah, uh, you have got to stop celebrating your birthday. <laughs> like you a fit and th- like we're not there yet. I haven't even turned twenty five yet." And she was like, "You were done celebrating being twenty five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she still loves me. She's coming out tonight and tomorrow, but. She is, uh, like, I just won't mention either of those times that they're birthday-related. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we did your birthday show for, for, for improv. That was, like, 10 days, 10-plus 10 days before your yeah before your birthday. That was, that was really the kickoff. Hmm. Okay. Um, 
And then every time since then. Yeah. Well, you've cherished it. Um, it. It was a birthday ending in five, so I guess it's it's not... It's a big deal. I never really thought I would make it this far. In high school, I had a pact with my friend Lauren that we'd make it to 21. Like, we were like, that was the age. Like, we were just like, fuck, man, if we can, like, get to 21, like, I don't know, we'll still be alive at 21. <laughs> like, I'm not really sure what the end of that pact was, but we... <laughs> Like, when we were, like, we met when we were, like, 16, and at 16, we were, like, five years, like, we're just gonna fucking get to 21, and at 21, I was hungover, but I I was, like... You got there. I got there, and I was, like, oh, like, oh, I made it to 21, and now I'm 25. Well, you're, you're, you're 25, you've, you've, you've gotten here, uh, she's, and I assume, yeah, Lauren is still... She's still, she's still alive and kicking, yeah. Okay, that's good. But that would have been really awkward if I was yeah, like, I nope. assume Lauren, you're like, no, she's... Uh, <laughs> Lauren, she's, Lauren also she's made dead. it. She's 24 now, but um, she also made it. That's true. I feel like that's, I feel like that's just the epitome of dramatic teenagers. Just right? like, oh my God, if we can make it to 21, it's just, it's going to be impossible, but I think we can do it. Okay. I sounded a lot like that. That was a really good impression of me at 16. Really? No, fuck no. <laughs> fuck you. Of course not. No, I was just like, it seemed like, I, I mean, we were in Mississippi and I, you guys are going to get to know this over the course of these podcasts, but it was just, we lived in the middle of nowhere um, and we were both like progressive 16 year old women. And, and we just, we were like, if we can get out, like, if we can get to 21, like, we'll be independent, like, we'll be alive, mm. life will, like, start right. so it was at like, 21. So it was like, Mississippi was keeping you down. Yeah. And you're like, if Mississippi doesn't kill me, I'll go somewhere. Yes. Okay. Basically. Well, that was a nice light note. And on that, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into the next segment. Yeah. Fail or pass. Okay, this is fail or pass. Fail or pass. Yeah, this is where we go through a couple of recent news stories and, and, you know, talk about whether they were total failures or if we can kind of understand what the person did, give them them a pass, or, uh, you know, if there's anything redeeming about this story. Yes, yes. So, or whether it's just a total abject failure. Uh So, uh, Ida, what's what's your fail or pass for the week? Okay. So, you know, like, everybody is very kept abreast of Donald Trump's Twitter mm-hmm. and, like, Twitter wars. Um, what they, what a lot of people don't necessarily know is that that, that has trickled down into other Republican um, politicians in America. Uh, so, I say this a lot, but I'm from Mississippi, and I got screenshotted and sent the same Facebook status of a Mississippi state senator by six friends the other day. And, you know, all of them with like, make sure that you whatever, whatever. But I was like, what is going on? Like what? And so I I got on Facebook and I like went to look it up. And Senator Chris McDaniel, he is a state senator in Mississippi. This was his Facebook status. I'm gonna read it word for word in response to the Women's March. Mm, Okay. Okay. So this is post the Women's March um, worldwide and specifically in D.C. Um, and in a very Trumpish manner, this was posted at 4.47 a.m. So okay. he had either woken up very early, upset about it, or stayed up all night. 
Um, and I quote, So a group of unhappy liberal women marched in Washington, D.C. We shouldn't be surprised. Almost all liberal women are unhappy. Perhaps there's a correlation. Nevertheless, I'm fascinated to see them exercise their First Amendment rights, in parentheses, however objectionable the message. But I do have a question. If they can afford all those piercings, tattoos, body paintings, signs, and plane tickets, then why do they want us to pay for their birth control? So, end quote. <laughs> so that is an elected official who represents me in some capacity. Um, he's not like one of our two senators, but he is a state senator. Okay. Um, so... He, obviously that started getting shared and he followed it up with like other objectionable Facebook posts. Mm -hmm. And very obviously this man fails at being a decent human being. He's kind of the scum of the earth. I have two points that I kind of want to know if he passes or fails on. Okay. Two, two like specific pullouts of this. One is the distinction between tattoos and body paintings. Because where tattoos can be very expensive, I have one, it wasn't cheap. What is an expensive body painting and how is that being differentiated from tattoos? I mean, yeah, is there, <laughs> I, you're asking someone who has no tattoos or body paintings that I, just, I know of. I'm just saying, like, if we're going to break down all of the ways that this is reprehensible, I think one is that distinction. Like, I think one issue that I take with this is that body paintings is pulled out and listed separately as something that is being afforded. Also, I think that he just went down the list of things that I am. Pierced, tattooed. I don't I don't think I body paint, but I do I do write my to-do lists on my hand in ink, so maybe that counts. It's nice <laughs> pens, so that could be the expense there. Yeah. Signs. Um, and plane tickets. Also birth control. All of those things are applicable to me. Mm. I am a liberal woman. So this all all of this was, it was like he was speaking directly it was, to it you. It was like he tagged me in Facebook posts and was like, Ida. Now, my issue is, I no one um, bought me a plane ticket to D.C. for the march, so I was a little bummed. Also, getting birth control in Mississippi is not only not paid for, but is like one of... It, I, would, I would equate it to like uh, committing a war crime and then like having to explain to your doctor and... Like, I have many friends who have gone to, you know, their like gynecologist or their doctor in Mississippi to get on birth control, and it's like... Well, why do you need it? You're not married. <laughs> so, so they like they definitely give you the whole like like a super like, guilt like, trip, super guilt trip kind of moral line of yeah. questioning. Like, why would you need to be on birth control? And you're like, do I need to explain it? Like, you're a doctor, you should know. Yeah. So their questions are not at all medical. No, no. And it's like, <laughs> have you thought about other ways of not getting pregnant? And you're like, yeah. They're like, have you thought about not being a giant slut? Right. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's a huge amount of slut shaming goes into getting uh, getting on birth control in Mississippi, um, and just like fascinating beliefs about it there. But yeah, so so I have an issue with the tattoo body painting distinction. And well, I mean, do you have an issue just the fact that he didn't just say tattoos, like just or like, do you think that there's a positive there that 
he was trying to distinguish between two things that he thought were different and he didn't want to group them all in one. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, maybe he was being considerate. Um, no, I think he was just trying, like, I... I'm just trying to look for anything redeeming. I mean, I went this. to high school with roughly, like, a hundred different Chris McDaniels. Like, they were all <laughs> this guy, right? Like, they were like, he's probably got, he's probably only got, like, ten years on me, I bet. Um mm. And, like, he probably has date-raped somebody, I think. That would be my guess of, like, the kind of person that he is. Okay. Um, I think when you universally are, like, liberal women are unhappy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even say I have an issue with that. I would say, like, oh, my God, if all liberal women are unhappy and there's a correlation there, we should fucking address it. Like, why are they all unhappy? What, what are we, the Chris McDaniels of the world, doing to enforce this unhappiness, because I would argue that reading this, every liberal woman was unhappy. Right, and I think the way he's thinking through it, it's like, well, if all liberal women are unhappy, then why don't they just stop being liberal? Right. <laughs> I think I think that I don't di- I don't disagree with him. I think every liberal woman that read this was they were unhappy. They were so unhappy in that moment. Like that was so true. He was a self fulfilling prophecy. It was right. like. If you're a liberal woman and you're reading this question, like, fucking, yeah, you are unhappy. And there is a correlation. Like, his logic is strong there. Um, that's very yeah, true. And he's like, if they weren't unhappy after reading this, they'll definitely be <laughs> yeah. unhappy. Like, I know how to make all liberal women unhappy. My second issue with him, though, is that I read this and one of his follow-up posts to this, this, this post went viral. And one of the follow-up posts, he, like, responded in the way that you'd expect a, a guy who's probably date raped someone to respond. And, uh, and he was like, 95% of the people who are commenting and sharing, like aren't even from Mississippi, blah, blah, blah. And like went on to be like, so fuck them. Their opinions don't matter. And so I am from Mississippi and I actually grew up in his district. Um, and so I sent a message on Facebook cause you're supposed to reach out to your political officials yeah. And I was like, hey, like, I'm really actually struggling with your recent post. Um, I am from Mississippi. Like, I am one of your constituents. Um, I love Mississippi. Like, I've gone all over the world and kind of seen what our reputation is abroad. And, like, you know, like, why aren't you willing to listen to your female? Like, why don't you care? And he didn't respond. Mm. So that's my other issue with it. Okay. Is I'm, am I mad at Chris McDaniel or now am I mad at like some other intern who is probably a smaller version of him who didn't respond to my Facebook message? Yeah, I mean, I can't say it's super surprising that he or his intern didn't respond. He has a within an hour response rate. Really? Yeah. You can like see um, what the rates are for like p- official pages of how often, like how quickly they usually respond to requests. Huh. And like comments um, and stuff like like to messages, and he has like a within an hour. Are all the ones that are within an hour just like, hey, Chris McDaniel, you're awesome, I love you. I think they're probably like, God hates the gays, and um, like we love you. He shared like one of those pictures where it's like really small feet, and it's like all size feet matter. It's <laughs> just like not. Is that like a pro life thing? I think it's a pro life thing. Okay. It was like very small feet. I mean, they were definitely still fully formed feet. So I don't think he knows at what point in a pregnancy feet are formed. It's not at the point where he's. 
Well, yeah, clearly when that picture was taken, the baby was already born, so I feel yeah, like that's not... Definitely an already born child with feet. <laughs> but anyway, he shared this picture, and it was like one of those pictures where the person has like overlaid a Bible verse in like a pink font over a black and white photo mm-hmm. of feet. And... And it was like, God, like, you know, God values all feet was basically the message. And I think it was a pro-life message. Or maybe he just has a foot fetish. So I realize that this is all like he just fails, but I, I, I know it's just like a solid fail, but it's been bugging me all week. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I, I don't think I really have any choice but to give that a fail. I mean, as I, I said, would love to, to see you try and defend it as a pass. Well, as I said, the redeeming quality that we looked for and that I maybe saw was that he tried to figure out what the difference was between tattoos and body painting. He tried to... His wife was um, Miss Mississippi 1995. That's a tough tough thing to say, Miss Mississippi. Miss Mississippi 1995. And she Mm. went on to the um, Miss USA or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that pageant is. Yeah. I I forget how it works, but it's either Miss USA or Miss America. I forget how each one feeds into I think she went on to the one that Donald Trump actually owns and funds, so... I, I think just, that's okay. I don't know whichever which one. one. Yeah. Anyway, it's whatever one feeds into the Miss Universe. Yeah. So he did. He did break down um, liberal women well, and I guess we'll pass him on the fact that he spoke the truth. All liberal women who read that were definitely unhappy. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That was uh, <laughs> what a what a wonderful world we live in. Right. It's yeah. Good times. Um, yeah. So that's been uh, that's been fail or pass. Okay. So um, today we have Jackson. Green, our first real guest on the Failure Show. So, Jackson, welcome. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for making the time to uh, to to come on. Hello, hi. Yeah, we're happy uh, happy to have you. Uh, I guess as we always do, we'll get started kind of with some warm up failures, some just general failures. Well, can't we let the... Jackson introduce himself the tiniest amount before we do that? I said hi. <laughs> he did say hi. I'm sorry. It's a little bit. It's a little bit. Just kidding. Reserved. Jackson Green. Hi. All right. Let's yeah. Warm up. Let's. Well, do it. Uh, maybe he can introduce himself by going through a, a you know a, a tiny little failure that sure, he's had sure. over the course of the. Um, over the course of the week, because I think that this whole yeah. long segment is probably going to be him introducing himself for That's a, a really long good time. point. I'm sorry. That was <laughs> ridiculous. Um, Not ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. It's a suggestion. Um, well, my name's Jackson. Um, I'm your friends. And, yeah. Well, now, anyway. Yes, we, we met today. He's known Ida for a bit longer. Yeah. Um, like, we met at, long least, at least twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also live in Shanghai. Um, I work for a financial company. Which does involve trying to be sort of professional and like a real human being, but I failed on Monday because I walked into a meeting with my my flies undone. <laughs> really? It wasn't an important meeting. It was just you know like a Monday morning meeting, get everyone together. But I felt foolish. What's wow. the like guy girl ratio on your team? It's um, for that meeting, I guess. We have in the office of about forty people. There's maybe two girls. It's very male-dominated. All right. Well, because I, I feel like that makes it a tiny bit less awkward. I don't know. Did that make it better or worse that it was all <laughs> men and not that many women? Yeah. Do you think? Did you think it make it makes it better or worse? Um. Well, I am. I am a straight guy, so I would rather, I guess, have you know women looking at my unzipped trousers. That's but, fair. Okay. Right. All so right. it makes that it worse. That is twice I've been shot down yeah. in, ten, in five. Well, minutes. no, you were. I, you were looking at it from your own perspective. I'm sure the correct perspective. <laughs> um, that's cool. Yeah, Ben, do you have a? 
a minor failure of, of this week. Yeah, I mean, this it's unclear how much of a failure this is. I don't think it's a success. I, it's just a, a weird, strange thing that happened this week. So, um, you know, we're at least in Shanghai and in China right now. Um, we are in, in the midst of, um, of Chinese New Year. Yeah, we are. We are. And... Um, I was talking with my boss this past week and he, you know, we were talking about this project that we might do, these people we might work with. And he was just like, oh, what are you doing for Chinese New Year? I'm like, oh, I'm just sitting around Shanghai. And it was like, oh, great. We, we kind of, maybe we should go and like check out this thing in Haiko, which is in southern China. Uh, like, you know, like way, way southern China, like kind of oh, a tropical okay. area. Um, and I was, you know, just kind of like, oh, yeah, I just told you I have nothing to do and I'm going to be in Shanghai. So of course I have time to do that. So I'm, so tomorrow oh, I'm so actually flying to Heiko. I'm going on a business trip in the middle of Chinese new year. So That's horrible. It, I don't think it'll end up being that horrible because sure. I, I didn't have much to do anyway. And Heiko is kind of a, a nice place. It's a, you know, a resorty, nice, you know, tropical, good weather type of place. And it, it shouldn't be that much real work and I, you know i think it and i think the, yeah. the boss will appreciate that i'm doing this during chinese new year but yeah. it was something i realized that i should have known what the line of questioning was was going was to be to, and then i could have just said oh i'm going going away sorry yeah. i can't but I, I guess i guess i wanted to be honest and be a team player so that's ended up with me having to go on a business trip in the middle of chinese new year i have a really quick failure yesterday i was cooking dinner because I've been trying to do that more, which is just ultimately a failure in and of itself. It's akin to like starving yourself, cooking for yourself. But I like reached across, like somehow my hands crossed and I was holding a knife and then I started bleeding and I thought that I had like cut myself with a knife, but it turns out I had cut myself with my own fingernail. Um, like not even with the knife, so. Yeah. Is this the cut? This is the cut. It's I not confirm, major, but I it's It's a out. major cut. That, it's, right. That's badass. It's like for cutting yourself like accidentally, I like carved into my finger. Yeah. So yeah. that's it. That's my failure of yeah. the last 24 and, hours. And Jackson, we're kind of on the theme of finger injuries cuz in our la in our first episode <laughs> my failure of the week or whatever was a finger you injury. Scan off his nose. Yeah, these the, these two uh what, fingers. For fun or yeah, for fun. Yeah. For it fun. was I won't go through it again, but it was on, it was on a, a, the edge of a picture frame. He punched him. I, I I accidentally cut it on the edge yeah. of a picture frame. But anyways, right. um I, I hope we've I hope we haven't set a standard that our listeners are going to expect that we're gonna have one <laughs> finger related injury Seven story. Oh, be careful. It's, it's a curse whenever you come on the show. You yes. have to All right. Um okay, well, And on that note, welcome. Um, yeah, welcome again. That was a little bit of a roundabout way. Um so Jackson, how how long have you lived in Shanghai? Uh my anniversary, my one year anniversary was at the beginning of this year, so oh, okay. Well, you're you're relatively you're relatively new. New, yeah. I still can't speak any Mandarin. I still don't know where I am half the time. Um, yeah, still very new. Okay, so without um, any sort of China or Mandarin background, what what was it that brought you here? Why did you decide to to come to China? Um, two things, I guess. One was you know a bit of a whim, um, and also someone said that you know the parties are pretty good here. So that was kind of it. Yeah. Wow. 
that is so accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think everyone came on a bit of a whim, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, there's there's kind of two types of expats. I think is what we've realized, at least like the people who came at least a bit on a whim, and the people who got paid a lot of money to move here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. and I and I feel like the that latter group, the people who got paid a lot of money to move here, has diminished. Over the years. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I I feel like originally the people that came here, a very high percentage of them were were kind of a a group of people on expat packages. Right, right, right. The ones who, I think of them as people who have heated floors in their apartments. That's your, that's your line? Well, because one time a friend of mine, like, she was, like, telling me about this guy that she'd started seeing, and she was like, yeah, like, he's one of those expats, you know, like, one of the ones on the expat package. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And she was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like him that much, but I kind of want to keep seeing him because, like, his apartment is so nice and it has heated floors. Mm. And this was, like, in December, January. Yeah, so, when you really wish you had heated floors. Yeah, like, mm. when you might sleep with someone just because their floors are heated. On so, Yeah, on their floor. Right, you go back to the apartment and they're like, oh, come <laughs> to the bedroom. You're like, no, these floors, these, these floors are fine. Yeah, I'll just, so, uh, so that is that's how I do it but okay so you've been here well what's your what's your one year impression of Shanghai it's great Um, I fell in love with it from day one I didn't know what to expect Um, I'd never dreamt of going to China before so it was all you know the best thing was just the excitement of knowing nothing Um, and it's great I love it I love it as much now as I did on day one I know that's not diminishing Um, it's, it's brilliant I grew up in a teeny tiny village that had right. where thing um so i'm so i'm from the uk uh england uh, i'm from a just north of birmingham birmingham oh. is right in the middle of the uk it's kind of like the bullseye of the uk was a darts board um and i grew up in a little village just north so as we were talking about failure failing my driving test was one of the worst days of my life because this this village you can't walk out you can't walk to see your friends in town like you mm-hmm. There's about two buses a day, and, and they were very unreliable. Um, so yeah, fully my driving test was one of the worst days of my life. So I I don't I'm not familiar with the UK. I know in the states. Um, yeah, how old do you have to yeah, be? Yeah, how old do you have to, to get I a driver's license driving in the illegally UK? at 14. Yeah, because you're I mean you're from you're from the south yeah. and like it's really kind of in the US all the it states it's, it's the age you can drive is different, but generally the more inland you get, the less they care, yeah. and the younger you start driving. So I started driving at fourteen. Mm. How old were you when you? We actually, failed? Uh, so you couldn't start driving until you turned seventeen. So, Ooh. which was irritating because you can start having sex at sixteen. But because I lived <laughs> in this little village, I couldn't go out and have so sex. With so it's, it's hard to find places and get to a place. Find, find people yeah, and then get yeah. back to a place where you have sex yeah. because you can't drive. Because I, I couldn't, and obviously oh, girls wow. aren't going to, you know, when I was in a very sort of cool, attractive 16-year-old boy, so I needed a car to, to really boost me to that status. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I didn't even lose my virginity until I could drive somewhere to lose it. Uh, wow. So again, failing my driving test was a real bad day. <laughs> it was, so it was another like, you know, commitment to two months of being a loser. Did you... So when you failed it, like before they told you the results, or did you know you would fail? Did they tell you immediately? Did you have to wait a few well, minutes? Well, in China, like, you have to take a, in the States, sometimes you have to take a course. In China, mm-hmm. you have like a whole 
process that you go through. Do you guys have to do driver's ed, basically? You you do a you know a thirty minute driving with an instructor, um, and you have to do a theory test. Okay. But um, yeah, it was the driving, unfortunately, the bit that hampered my. my really. My, yeah, I, 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 should, I failed. It was a big fail. I pulled out onto a roundabout when I shouldn't have done. Oh, okay. uh, I pulled onto a dual carriageway, like a high-speed road. Again, when I should, like when the driving instructor has to put the hand up in apologies to the person oh. behind you, ah. you know you failed. Yeah. Um, but so, but I was still like, you know, optimistic, like maybe he's, he's having a good day. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, he told me when you get back, he's like, so results fail. Uh. Bad day, bad day. Nearly cried, nearly cried. Wow. And then, and was it one of those things where? Had you told a bunch of people that you were about to go take your driving test, and then did you have people like congratulating you, and then you had to tell them that you failed? I like to imagine yeah. he had like one specific girl <laughs> congratulating him. Yeah, I, I'd been at a party the night before, and I had to leave smartly um, <laughs> early because I was like, got my driving test tomorrow. So a whole <laughs> heap of people. They're like, well, you're gonna you're gonna have your driver's license tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So everybody knew. Yeah. So I'm then, the only person in my family that passed my driver's test the first time. Well, yeah. my older sister, older brother, and two younger brothers all failed it the first time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I I, I passed on on the first time. I think I. I think just I'm, we're just trying to rub this in your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just both did yeah, great. Just to show yeah. you that it's not. It's not. It's that not. Hard. It's not that difficult. You driving automatic cars? Yeah. Yeah. Which are, you know... I can't drive Oh, so monkey. So did you did you take your test with a standard? Yeah, you have to. Oh, okay. You have to. Interesting. Yeah, because that's the... That... Can you drive a, sh- a stick shift? No, I can't. Okay, neither can I. Okay, so, so you guys can't, can't really drive. So you. So this is, a, this is a weird thing. I can't drive a stick shift, but my older sister can. Why is that weird? Because you would think... I feel think... like that was subtly sexist. Though, no, because you would think if you have the same parents teaching you how to drive that they would... If one got taught how to use a stick shift, the other kid would get taught how to use nah, a stick shift. No, no way. Because well. you're younger, right? Parents yeah. quit, quit. They give up on younger kids. I mean, it really just had to do with the fact that my dad had a, a stick shift car when my sister was learning how to drive. So that was yeah. so she learned on a stick shift, but he had an automatic transmission when yeah. I was learning. But no, I agree with that. I think once parents have had one successful child, if it happens to be the first one. Yeah, they, yeah they, they can relax. Yeah. They care about Are the you next. A, do you have siblings? Yeah, I'm the younger of two, so uh, my sister is right. a smart, you know, cookie. There you um, go. Oh, okay. I, I am not. <laughs> it's fine. Hey. Uh, <laughs> so oh, was that was that like the defining failure of your your younger years? Was that like driving test moment? It was a bad one, but um, but you know, to bring it into a positive, passing my driving test was then probably the best day of my life, and. If the failed day hadn't been so bad, that day may not have been as good. So I still, I've kind of forgotten about the failed day, and now I just cherish this like passing your driving test day as like one of the highlights of my right. life. So <laughs> you, uh, yeah, you uh, you appreciated it more. Yeah, you appreciated it, it more. Um, I, yeah, oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I had a weird memory of my when I got my um, driver's license. You know, I was like, because you're, you're sitting in, like, the room in the Department of Motor Vehicles waiting to take the test. Yeah. And I remembered, like, what was, you know, as I was watching the TV, what was on the TV that day. And uh, the biggest story of what was on the TV was that uh, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, had died. Whoa. No way. Yeah. Like, that when was... he got, like, 
I think eaten by a crocodile or like there's some yeah, dangerous thing. Okay, that's, yeah, it's definitely a stingray. Yeah, or a stingray. Oh yeah, you got eaten by a stingray. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> sorry, you got you got stung by a stingray. Stung. You got stung. That would be amazing if someone got eaten by a stingray. It would be very slow. Yeah, no, it was a very like some rough way to It was a it was one of those like easiest <laughs> stories ever to believe. Mm. You're like, oh that's ironic. Well no, it's not. He's like, like playing with dangerous weird. animals every day. He had it coming. Uh so that oh, so, all right. So and I just, now we've reached the point where we tell Steve Irwin that he had it coming. <laughs> so yeah, I just remember watching that and going to take my driving test. So so I have like I so someone if if ever someone's like oh when did Steve Irwin die I can be I can like tell them the exact date that Steve mm. Irwin died, which is uh not not really useful at all, but it's it's something I remember and it's, it's there. It will come up in a pub quiz sometime in the future. That's true. It yeah, might. it I'll might. Call you. It might. So, yeah. So, dri- so getting your driver's license was kind of a, a very satisfying. It was made more satisfying by the fact that um, fact that you failed mm-hmm. the first time. I mean, growing up in, in a small village uh, near, near Birmingham, like what was, what else did you do or what were your interests or kind of what were your goals as a child or someone growing up there? Well, living in a village was great as a kid because you could just sort of run free, you know without your parents being concerned. You know, we didn't have, you know, knives and guns. Uh, it was all very fun, but the village itself had nothing. There was a, a church at one end and a pub at the other end, and that was it. So, you know, that kind of divides the, the village. Um, <laughs> Where did people spend more of their time? Yeah, the church or the pub. Well, people kind of go from one to another. After, <laughs> after a bit of time in the church, you're like, God, I need a drink. And then after a lot of time in the pub, you're like, I feel a bit guilty. Uh, so it was just a continuous... At some point where they're like, why are these on opposite sides of the town? Shouldn't they be next to each other? These are the only two places we go. Like, yeah. this is really inconvenient that we need to walk all the way yeah, across to the other side of the village. But, uh, yeah, and if you wanted, for example, like, if you needed some milk for your cereal in the morning, you'd have to go two villages away to find mm. someone that would sell it. So it was a nightmare. Um, so, yeah. Cars were useful. Wow. Wow. Mm. So did you, yeah, but when did you decide to, when did you leave, I guess, for university or? Yeah, so then I went to uh, university in Nottingham, which is just slightly north of Birmingham. Um, It was my first kind of experience of being in a city. Nothing to this scale, but um, that was great. Uh, So that was, yeah, my first like efforts of escape. Hmm. Uh, And that was great. And now I'm in a bigger city, so I don't know where to go next. When you first started to live in a bigger city when you were in Nottingham, like it did, did you sense that your view on the world had changed or what you wanted for yourself or how you, how you viewed yourself in the, in the context of, um, you know, the UK or wherever it is you wanted to be? Did you find that you kind of, there was a flip, you know, a switch that flipped in, in your brain or, or anything? Um, yes. Um, I'd say I didn't change much as a person, despite the fact that I was at university. Which I feel like you go into that a completely different person as you come out. That's so true, though. They I were they were like everybody. the years of change. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much that was to do with living in a city, but you know, so much of my uh, the person I am today was built then. Um, mm. So I guess living in a city helps that. You know, it means you can be. I just love this the super social side to it. The fact that. You have friends living on like every corner. Mm-hmm. You know, you can all meet up at the pub. It's like, see you there in five minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And music scene, you know, no one came to Clif- Clifton Campville is the name of the village I used to live in. Yeah. Uh, I got a lot of stick for that as well. Campville. Campville. Um, Campville. Yeah. Hmm. Doesn't, doesn't saying camp, um, 
doesn't that have a different connotation in the states than it does like in the uk you guys are both they're both staring at me like oh I well said the yeah most i want to camp in the uk someone who's camp is someone who like is a, gay, someone right? that's campy yeah, I've heard of that. Is that the, the, but that's, like, yeah, in the States. Yeah. But, like, I feel like in the States we say that and it just kind of means, like, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're saying that, like, that person's probably gay. You're saying that they're, like, uncool, I feel like. Maybe I just don't know slang. Um, I, I mean, I'm not overly familiar with things that are, are camp or campy, but I, I, I thought... Well, I went to a gay bar a couple of weeks ago and... and Everyone was very camp. Uh, that's that's my kind of. <laughs> there you go. All right. There you no, because I'm trying to think of things that I know to be camp or I've heard that are camp. Like an example of at least something artistically that's camp. That would be like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like that's yes. campy. Well, mm. the reason I know is I was in London recently and I was talking to like some some friends of family, and they were lovely until we started talking about comedy which I'm very into. And and then I mentioned that I really like Eddie Izzard. Mm-hmm. And the dad was like, oh, he's very camp. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. Like camp is to me now associated with like being like Eddie Izzard, which I guess is not. And he didn't say it in a good way. Yeah. No, my dad used to sort of, my dad, he, he tries, you know, but he's, he's of a slightly older generation. Yeah. So, you know, although he doesn't have any problem with people that are, you know, homosexual, he is actually quite homophobic. So when I was going through those that weird phase of wearing like tight jeans and questionable sized shirts and stuff, right. like he'd always say like, you look you look a bit camp. Okay. And, and it would be in that like Yeah, it's 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 like not in a and, and camp hair, so. suits you, like and we and we appreciate it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I guess that, okay, I guess that's the thing that's interesting to me is I've never at least until now, like I'd never heard of someone just directly saying that a person or their appearance was very camp. It was mm. more of like this movie or this like play or. So then I think in the states it just it means kind of like kitschy, right? Yeah, maybe. It's got a different. Kitchy. It's got a different yeah. vibe. Okay, right. wait. We're gonna we're gonna circle back. We're yeah. Gonna, no, but, no, but you um you, you were just saying before we before we got into that <laughs> rant about camp, um you, you're talking about the it was a, a music scene in 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 Nottingham. Yeah. So were you involved in that? Or? Um, I, I'm one of these uh, fans of music. It's, it's my favorite thing. You know, film, great. You know, uh, food, great. But actually, my favorite thing in the world is definitely music. Um, I'm a failed musician in every sense. Like, I can't play guitar. I can't play drums. I've tried, I've tried, I've failed, I've failed. I've tried to sing, failed. Um, and my excuse is because I spend too much time listening to it and going to watch it you know you can't really practice when you're doing those two things um but yeah music scene in Nottingham was brilliant um you know London is is the best in the UK for music mm-hmm. but uh but you know Birmingham Nottingham these are just just big enough cities that if people are going to make the effort to come to the UK they'll probably do a few more mm-hmm. and they require regularly be on the bill that's uh, a good scene so what, when you say like you're a huge fan of music um I'm just I'm a huge fan of you know top 40 <laughs> we're gonna cut that part um, we're definitely no no we're not we're gonna definitely cut cutting we're that not, line, we're not cutting but I, I listen to like a lot of bluegrass a lot of like stuff from you know like things from the american south um and a lot of top 40 and like mm. occasional hip-hop but like what does it mean to be like to have music be your favorite thing well i like all genres um top 40 you know for for years i used to just write it off being like oh, popular music right that's not cool but actually 
there's like top 40 music's brilliant and you've got to respect music which is loved by the mass you know, yeah. you've got to appreciate that um, but my favourite genres uh, like quite strangely half of the genres I listen to which I would deem my favourite are rock metal like hardcore screamo and then the other side is like rap and hip hop so so which one unusual. of those did you try and break into when you were um, gonna be a musician so I tried drums tried guitar so that was when I was going through a rock phase and then I never had like the confidence to, to sing but now I do um, so I'd say when I got into like rap music and hip hop that's when I thought well maybe I could be a rapper <laughs> You know, there aren't many successful white rappers, particularly from the UK. Yeah, I was going to say, white British rappers, not not a lot. Not a lot. Um, But, you know, Eminem, uh, I I watched 8 Mile pretty much every... I think we all went through an 8 Mile phase, right? Um, No. No? No, I mean, I was big big into Eminem as like a 12, 13, 14-year-old. Yeah, but if you could like see the three of us, I would definitely be the person you would guess did not go through the... The eight mile face, I think. <laughs> no, what you've got that like baggy jeans on and your I, cap backwards. Literally and the tightest jeans. What's that big gold chain? Tightest jeans ever. <laughs> like, um, but yeah. The gold chain does throw it off. I think people assume based <laughs> on the large gold chain. Uh, it's good. Big yeah. dollar sign. Yeah, exactly. The the clock tucked into your shirt. All um, right. Yeah. Um, I dress very well. I don't know if I'm with either of these two people. Um, but yeah, I'm trying I'd, to be a rapper. I'd get back from a night out at university and I put. Eight mile on and then fast forward to the end, you know. Yeah, we have big epic rap battle and mm. just be like jump around on my sofa, and, <laughs> and I, I sort of do that so often that I think oh, I can do this. Oh, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I started my rap career. How did yeah. it go? How how long was your rap career? Well, it started off with kind of rapping with my friends, like when we're going out for a cigarette, you know, on a night out in a smoking area, mm-hmm. like, you know, spit some beats. Um, horribly, um, but you know we start to make a bit of traction, and so you and then, got gigs locally. No, never, not one. <laughs> um, we just irritate people that were also sort of standing in the vicinity to where we were. Uh, <laughs> I remember rapping at a music festival actually, uh, not on stage. Uh, but it was like late at night. You know, we've been drinking obviously all day and I think we may have been smoking and then we wrapped behind, we were like behind some tents rapping mm-hmm. and I do remember after about t- maybe a minute, mm-hmm. somebody just shouting, shut the hell up. Um, so you were so, so you were just like you were going to music festivals where there were these acts that people wanted to see and you were just kind of off the side like hey look look at me I'm I can do stuff too I'm not registered at the festival but you sh- you should come you should come listen to yeah. me yeah no one did though no one did um, but so regarding failure you know topic uh, yeah it was a failure however I did once rap in front of about two hundred people. Uh, on a stage. On wow. a stage. Yeah. Okay, so you have one stage. Yeah. So, so what what type of event was that? How were you so, able to get such a big crowd? Well, um, it was the full moon party, Koh Phangyang, Thailand. Okay. Um, so for people that haven't been, you know, it's a ginormous beach with loads of different stages, uh, different genres, different things going on. And there was this one stage where you could basically, the stage was just the top of some steps and there was a bar. And there were three guys performing and they were basically just like passing a mic between them mm-hmm. kind of just taking turns to rap over whatever the backing track was um 
And I don't know what time it was, but by this point, I was like going up the steps, like getting a drink, just like watching these guys who were pretty good. And uh, and then one of them kind of just looked over to me because I was quite close, and I was just sort of thought, nah, why not? I gave him that <laughs> nod, of like, yeah, yo, I'm mm. next. Yeah, and he's like, respect. <laughs> so like, once he'd done his bit, Mike came to me, um, and that happened to be at that point in time, I'd say about 200 people, kind of watching, enjoying, like, yeah, doing their thing. Uh, so I did about 20 seconds, I think, of freestyle. Okay. You know, stuff that I'd done maybe before. Um, you know, I used to do a lot of, like, setting the scene. You know, like, I'm standing on a stage. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really drunk, like, this kind of... <laughs> It's like it's like no. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's like it's like an self narration. Well, self narration. Like, but if you can't think of anything, it's like it's like an improv where you just look and you see things in the room yeah. and then you yes. start talking about them. Like, I think it's yeah. the same yeah. thing. And I didn't, that. I didn't, I, you know, I don't use the M word. I didn't grow up on the street. You know, my mum wasn't addicted to crack, so I can't just go for the usual. You know, that, <laughs> I've not got right, much yeah. else to work. Yeah, those are the things that are going through your mind. And it's like fuck, none of those things apply. Yeah. Oh. So after about twenty seconds, I ran out of material and started then going into Lose Yourself by Eminem oh, okay. which is always you know, it's always good to have that in the back it's always of your mind good. Yeah. but then after about maybe 10 seconds of that um, the three guys that were also rapping didn't appreciate that I was just stealing someone else's stuff yeah. and, uh, and some guy was just like give me that mic and oh. that was the end of it but I was loving it uh, and I don't know if anyone actually knew what was going on but there was a I think there was a moment when someone else in the crowd was just like yay and clap so yeah well I'm sure and in that sort of environment I'm sure there was a lot of energy in the crowd mm, yeah. Um, yeah yeah so, so did you decide to capitalize on that as like the end of your rap career like yeah. end on a high note well there was the one person that I was with at that point in time um randomer from that evening was also at the bar and I looked over to her it's like a how do you think that went? And she was just like head down, like shaking her head. <laughs> so that's when I thought, not for me. And, not uh, for you. Yeah. Right. And it, you know, every now and then after a night out, you know, maybe a little bit will come out, but otherwise that was pretty much the end. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it, I, yeah, so I, I guess it wasn't, it, it didn't convince you that this was worth further pursuing. Mm. No. Yeah. So like did that, um, I have such a good mental image of this right now. <laughs> just a Jackson on like a half bar like stage. In a, on a beach. On a beach in Thailand. With like a bucket in one hand with five straws in it, which I was drinking. Yeah. Oh, Chan- yeah. Channeling eight mile. Yeah. I'm not really convinced I ever still need that eight mile face, to be entirely honest. We can still find that. <laughs> as, yeah. As, I mean, I think, I think you're... I think that ship has sailed. I think it might have. I think the ship might have sailed. That's okay. I think I actually, I watched, I think I watched 8 Mile with my dad. Which... Bold choice. Not, normally not that bad, except, Jackson, you'll notice there's one scene in that movie that would be particularly awkward to watch with a parent. Yeah. I think you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, I think there's some outdoor sex going on. Yeah, yeah. between Eminem and the now late Brittany Murphy. <gasps> oh, but I loved Brittany Murphy. I know. And basically they have pretty raunchy sex in a factory. Well, hey. Uh, after hours. Of course, after hours when it's less dangerous and there's there's no one else there. So We've the, all been there. the most appropriate time to have sex in a factory. Yeah. But it's just kind of one of, I think I... 
I remember watching this, and I'm like, you're when you're watching that kind of thing with your parent, you're just like, okay, I just can't make eye contact with them. This yeah. is and ever I think, again. <laughs> yeah, well, just ever again. Like, all right, well, I'm done looking at my dad. And I think, and I think it was something. I think at one point I did, and like, you just gave me one of those, gave me one of those dad looks with like, I mean, like, with like a smirk and like opening your eyes real wide. Where like he knows and you know that this is weird. Yeah. Um, That's like a really good reason to never have kids. I think. So that you don't end up watching Eight Mile with them. Yep. <laughs> I'll, I'll put that on my list of like reasons I'm pitching never having children. Yeah. So as I never have to watch Eight Mile with them. Mm. I, don't know. I mean, by that point, it's probably it's going to be so old a movie. I don't think they'd want to watch it with you anyway. So I think you'd be pretty safe. Okay. Well, but my so. kids will be watching it. <laughs> You're going to be like two kids. One is going to be a rapper, whether he likes it or not. And one of them will be uh, maybe a Formula One driver. So, yeah, it's a lot of career options you left open for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those uh, kids are going to have weird issues because they're they're going no because they're going to go into therapy and they're going to like complain that their dad forced them into stuff. And the therapist is going to be like, "Those are really cool professions. I don't know what's wrong with you." Is it cool to be a rapper? Um. As far as things your parents can force you to do that you might not like to do, I feel like rapper is pretty good. Like if your parents, yeah. you know, right. you know, rather than your parents forcing you to be like a lawyer or an accountant. All right. Let's not shit all over lawyers. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's not, it's not like wrong with those professions. It's just like those, it's like, that's a, that's a typical yeah. like story right. of like something. It's like, I, I don't know. I've never, never heard of anyone like being traumatized because their parent force them to be a rapper true that's true but plenty of people are rappers because they were traumatized by their parents right so i need to just but they did it but so they really did it of their own volition that's true i think uh, comedians too if you want your children to like be pushed towards the arts probably just don't love them enough i think okay. is yeah there's you either there's a fine line between i think the best is don't love them enough but give them enough money where they don't have to work and they can support themselves by being an artist. Those are the two, because if it's hard to make it as an artist if you if you don't have at least any sort of um, preliminary nest egg or money to sit on while you're going to be poor That's for years true. and years. So I think the best the people who are best situated to become successful artists are people uh, whose parents treated them terribly but also had a lot of money. I think like, yeah, give them music lessons and ignore them, or mm. like withhold love. Or, yeah. you know, when they, like, bring home the report card, like, be on a business call. Yeah. yeah. That's sort of the ideal middle ground there. Yeah. Keep yeah. forgetting their name. Yeah. Keep forgetting their name. Yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah. Strategically. Like, My parents did that, but only kind of. Like, they accidentally named us all names that end in, like, an uh sound. So then they would just get it wrong. Because, like, we're very, we have, have very biblical siblings. So mm. there's, there's an Isaiah. Okay. A Micah. A Noah. And Ida, which is not a Bible name, had a guy at a bar argue with me about that once. It's not a Bible name. Wait, he tried to argue that it was yeah. a Bible name? Like, he was like, oh, Ida, that's a nice biblical name. And I was like, I have read the entire Bible three times. <laughs> it is not. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so they would, like, yell across the house. My parents would be like, you know, like, Micah. And, like, five of us would come running. And my mom would be like, what, do you think you're a 12-year-old boy? And, like, sometimes you're <laughs> like... Kind of like good impression. I, thank you. Yeah, he hasn't met your mom. But he's like, oh, that was spot on. I, I know. I don't know. Yeah, that was a, a hundred out of a hundred on my mom impression. Wow. Um, well, okay, so yeah. So your, I mean, so your rap career didn't go so well. You mentioned 
trying the drums and guitar? Did you did you ever try to like actually perform those live? Or? No, no. That was it. Was kind of someone was playing the drums and like, oh, can I ever go? And after about two minutes, I was just like, nah, not for me. <laughs> so that, you, re- you realize pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. You know. But you still love music. This did not. This did not like dampen your love of music. It's no. still one of your favorite things. And I've have actually watched a lot of bands where no one can play an instrument. You know, they're just smashing things and hammering things, and it's still really entertaining. So maybe there's still a chance for me. All right. Particularly in the rock, you know, industry. Sometimes they're just twatting their guitar against a drum kit, and you're just like, yeah. So there's still hope. Well, and I feel like nowadays they're. There's kind of a, a lack of like rock music, mm. you know, just like that was the most dad thing that someone has ever said. No, it would have been way more dad if I said there's not any rock and roll music. That would have been the most. That would have been the most dad thing I could have said. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Where's the rock and roll? Um, <laughs> but but no, seriously, it's all you know. There's there's a lot of hip hop, rap, pop, and then there's kind of indie folk. Like there's there's not there's nothing like that would you would just call like typical pure like rock music. So I think I don't know. I I think there could be a future. There's I think there's at some point it's going to come back. Mm. In what form it's going to come back, I, I don't I don't know. But you know those people who are doing a bunch of experimental things. I think eventually one of those things is going to resonate with people. Sure. Yeah. No, you're correct. Um, we're still looking to the likes of. You know, Metallica, Rolling Stones, like to to sort of fill that gap, but uh, there's not as much new stuff coming through. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's cool. So I so I guess you you kind of put your I don't know your your, your music dreams to, to to bed for for the moment. Um, so I guess like what you know it's kind of what what has filled your yeah your, kind of your we, time we and passions. Kind of, one of our one of our things that we're sort of interested in. Is uh, how failure like led like failures over the years. So eventually you got your driver's license. Eventually you got laid. I did. Uh, <laughs> That's another failed story. I do not want to talk about. <laughs> okay, um, and 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 you still love music despite um, despite some failed attempts at uh, both rapping and drumming. Although to be entirely honest, it doesn't really feel like you practiced all that much for that drumming two-minute bit, so. (laughs) I tried to play the violin once when I was little, and my mom accused me of, like, hurting the neighbor's cat. No, it was was a short-lived violin career. Just Um, with the terrible sounds from your violin? Yes. I I played violin in primary school for a couple of weeks. I remember, I think I learned uh, hot cross buns. Oh, yeah. Hot cross buns. (laughs) that's the first song that like anyone learns and they play any instrument it's like learning chopsticks uh chopsticks on piano like yeah yeah, for sure i imagine after two weeks though of my parents having to hear me me they they probably ended that one for me they they found a dead cat and they're just like no ida's neighbor's cat (laughs) but but how would you describe like your your relationship with failure now like how do you feel about how do you feel about it? Well, generally, I'm I'm now and have actually always been like a very optimistic person. So, I've not had a difficult life. I've never failed so bad that I've had to come back from something. I've always it's never that bad. It's never been that rough. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and in any little failure you know the bigger picture is always still positive mm-hmm. um, so yeah my approach to sort of dealing with failure is just not to let it fail so much I guess don't let failure fail so much yeah start off on like a 10 so that if something if you fail you notch down a bit but you're still in the you know still in positive I, figures I love optimistic people so I, yeah so I guess you're saying just like sh- I, that kind of sounds like uh, kind of sounds like a variation on like um, you know like shoot for the moon because even if you fail you'll land among the stars you know you know, you know that oh, expression yeah like just you know just just go for even everything even if you miss it's not even if you fail right whatever I, I, like I, changed, that, I like that you changed I'm it rebranding it for this podcast <laughs> yeah, I, I like that you rebranded I like the rebranding that's yeah. true yeah even if you fail you'll land among the yeah. stars yeah and while I got into music and while I still failed to to actually do any of it, I've now spent a lot of time around music, which obviously then leads to dancing. Mm. And I'm now quite the dancer. Oh, so, yeah. That's so great. your love of music has turned you into a, a good dancer. And I didn't, I didn't go out. I didn't set out to like become a good dancer. You know, that just, is a silver lining. Okay, if I have uh, ever heard. One. I am. I'm going to ask a question here because I really don't know. How do you know you're a good dancer? um well that's different for girls and guys right right like but i don't i feel like because dancing is very subjective and like if a bunch of people have told you you're a good dancer i feel like that then you probably know but as a person to judge whether or not you're a good dancer i feel like it's very difficult um no one's told me once that i'm a good dancer but i think when you wrap up a night out and you're still dancing, the fact that nobody stopped you ah. is a good sign. I also think that with dancing, like, if you, at least from in my very correct opinion, <laughs> <laughs> I think that if you love dancing, like, if you've reached a point in your life where you love dancing and you're 100% comfortable, like, dancing in public, and you are ending a night still dancing, mm-hmm. then that means that, like, you have reached a level of success in dancing. Okay. I think unless you're like competing in ballroom, like tango, whatever tap, mm. I think that if you love dancing and you're like having fun with it, I, I would argue that you are good at dancing. Yeah. All right. So what? I mean, I guess then, what's your favorite type of music to dance to? Yeah, Ben, are you are you a good dancer? No, I'm All not. Right. I'm yeah, not I definitely. <laughs> I just you... needed an answer. No, I, I'm not. That's why I'm curious. Like someone I've never. Like, besides people who are professional or, like, trained in dancing, I've never heard someone, like, a guy be like, I am a good dancer. Oh, I, so that, I believe it, though. So that, but that's why I was curious. So what, so what need, do you like you dancing a, to? You need a gateway move. You need a couple of gateway moves, mm. I think. I, I, I think... So you need, like, some go-tos, things that people can do, anyone can do. Mm. Um, my favorite, like, gateway dance move to, like, get people into the, the spirit is the old uh, imaginary basketball. Ah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Definitely. Because oh, okay. you can like you can you, suddenly you're the best at basketball. You know you can do all the tricks <laughs> when you've got an invisible ball. Right. You know, ben and you works can works for the NBA, right? Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should be able to do that one. Yeah. yeah. So you should and so I, I'll pass the ball to you, and then you you've got no choice other than to like go for it. Yeah. Well, and I do think that that, <laughs> that always helps with dancing or anything that um, requires some creativity is if you have. Uh, if you have a fake object or something that you're working with, all of a sudden it provides a structure for you. True. And true. you're you're working with that structure, and you you have this ball, and now you're now you're not making stuff up. You're just doing stuff with a ball. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good suggestion. I'll have to try that my next night out. Yeah, and it's always good because then you get like a little bit of a group. You know, balls being passed around, and then suddenly you like the music starting to drop, and you're like you're waiting for like a big moment in a song. So then that's when you like you point out an, an imaginary. Thing. Yeah, yeah, and you you launch it at the point when the music's just about to drop. Funny thing is, you never miss. It always goes <laughs> yeah, in. It always goes in. No matter how far away it is, it always goes in. And yeah. that's like a big like, way. Wow. And, then, and yeah. then suddenly everyone's done so without even realizing. So a final tip on how to always be successful. Launch a basketball when the music drops. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, yeah, I never. And to what music? Uh, any music. All music. You can dance to everything. Yeah. Mm, Other dance. than Ida on the violin. Alright, well, <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> and we'll start and end on the same note, yeah. which is, I failed at this. <laughs> okay, Great. so, uh, yeah, that's awesome to hear that you eventually learned how to drive, and even though you failed as a musician, you still enjoy music, and you've become a great dancer who mm-hmm. knows how to work a fake basketball. Mm-hmm. Hey man, that's really, it's really impressive. Yeah. yeah. I'm proud of you. Do you have any dance moves? Um... I really like the shopping cart. Yeah, I'm yeah a that's big, good. Yeah, I yeah. like I like shopping cart. Hundred um, percent. But do really you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just like you're just like you're like you're going through the supermarket. It's like oh, something off the shelf. Yeah, and it's very similar <laughs> to like mowing the grass, but then you get to kind of like also you like get to also the, you get to yeah, also start it. Start the lawnmower. Absolutely. When when you start the lawnmower, do you usually go through the phase of um, I've tried starting it six times and it won't start, and now yeah, I'm really and then frustrated. Yeah, and there's frustration, and you're like, and like you know when you do lawnmowing, like occasionally you go over an ant hill, which is a real thing. That and all of a sudden you're like, oh my yeah, God, there so are ants all over me. An infinite number of moves that go that, that. go that go off 100%. of that. Uh, and the, and the, like, oh no, I cut the grass too short. Ah, it's going to look <laughs> terribly. Ah. Oh, first world problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Cool. Well, well, thanks for coming on today. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jackson. This was really entertaining. And um, yeah, uh, this has been The Failure Show. Uh, and until next time. Yeah. Bye. bye.